We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weather back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I'm James Hamby, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me... Fox 40, Sean Cunningham. What's going on, Sean? Present and accounted for, James. Not much. I'm, look, I'm looking around. and where, Where's Brendan? Where's Brendan? Where's Brendan? Um, Brendan is moving. And so... Uh, out of state? Brendan, um, he's not moving out of state. He's moving okay. from one establishment to another place of, of uh, one domicile to another. Uh, so he is uh, in in transit of like packing boxes and moving from one uh, place to another today uh, because it is uh, November first. So I think he had to be out of one place and into another place. And uh, so I think last week we only had one podcast, even though it was opening week. And um, that's the way it goes sometimes. And just like today, Brennan not being here, that's the way it goes sometimes. Life is what happens when you're making other plans. And, uh, Ooh, last week, things. yeah, Sean, last week, um, we had this, uh, this situation where like we had, what was it? A Wednesday night game. And then wait, do we have a Wednesday or do we have a Thursday night game? Thursday. We, we couldn't do it on Thursday and then we were going to plan to do it on Friday, but then the Kings decided to hold practice, which was unexpected. So we didn't have uh, the ability to do it on Friday because once we once I drive to practice and everyone gets to practice, I've got to drive home. I've got to do radio on ESPN thirteen twenty, and then Sean, of course, has to cover Friday night football. Uh, and then Saturday we got into another game, a uh, day game, and then like we're not going to do podcasts on Sunday because uh, Sundays are usually for local television, local sports guys, uh, the worst day in in the world. So for a guy like Sean. Um, so here we are, where it's Tuesday, so we're back to our normal Tuesday. We hope to do Tuesday and Thursday this week, and it looks like we will. Um, but we have to be, uh, you know, flexible. 
Um, and uh, Sean, this is our 100th episode of the King's Beat Podcast. What? I didn't get you anything. Is this our anniversary? It, it is. Or just, or just a milestone? Um, I think it's both. Uh, it's, <laughs> oh, really? It's pretty, yeah, milestone and an anniversary. I think it's huge because, um, you know, when we started this, we had no idea that we would be doing this like this uh, nonstop. We hoped that we would. And, you know, I had a podcast for, you know, a decade, basically. Um, but this has been a lot of fun, Sean. I totally appreciate you being here every week and, and doing this, even though we did have like the two or three month hiatus where Sean was put in um, media jail. Podcast jail? Podcast jail. <laughs> I, um, yeah, it, 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 what, a, what a difference a year makes, man. So yeah, happy anniversary. Um, hopefully we'll be able to dine together soon or, or have some, I was hoping there'd be like crazy music and pyrotechnics and over the top fanfare, but that's okay. Um, this is, this is fine. Just the two of us. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's romantic setting and it's yeah. setting for two. <laughs> um, yeah, man, hopefully we can get, do something soon because, uh, you know, I've even alluded to this with our fantastic happy hours. Like I, I think it would be really a lot of fun to get together in the physical form someplace, somewhere at some establishment and just, uh, Meet people who kind of enjoy the content. Um, it's always fun for me when I'm um, going around town, as I'm known to do, and uh, stumble upon Kings fans who, you know, not only recognize the work that I've done in this market for such a long time, but um, right now it feels like there's just a big swell of people who recognize the podcast more than anything, and it's uh, that's a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm always amazed at how people consume, uh, King's content and to be a part of that is fun to do. It's why I still live here. It's an, I, other than it is my hometown and it, you know, I love covering sports in this town. So, um, to, to be at, uh, turning King's content, content at Fox 40, having the ability to still join you, um, that was a, uh, a major major bonus is to go into Fox 40 was to be able to do this still. So, uh, and even having Brendan a part of this, even though he's not here today, uh, offers such a different, fresh perspective. And, um, you know, we all get along so great. And even though we like to poke fun or maybe that's just me <laughs> with, with oh, Brendan. No, I and love his, to do it too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, no, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I think he, uh, I know he enjoys it. Um, uh, you know, he keeps us um, kind of young and fresh, although I think I do that anyway, and uh, we can kind of impose some wisdom on him. So, yeah, it's just a long-winded way of saying happy anniversary, James. I want to hear that. That is it Tony, 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 the anniversary song? That's what I was kind of hoping I'd hear that song, but that's okay. Oh, I always think when I hear happy anniversary and happy birthday, I always think of Frosty the Snowman when he wakes up from his slumber for the first time, like the old right. cartoon version. Um, when they old. put the hat on him. Yeah, yeah, it is very old. Um, yeah, it, it's cool. And for those of you who have been around with the King's Beat, uh, like major, major like appreciation for all of you. It's been amazing. It's been a fun run. Uh, I, I love it. I'm going to keep doing it this way. Um, to be honest, it's been a refreshing change and break for me that has been really, really rewarding. Um, like Sean talked about the happy hours or something that like we didn't expect them to be that cool but they just worked out to be like really something unique and different. And I think anyone who's taken part in the happy hours, they walk away feeling that like that we, uh, we have some moments in those things. And uh, yeah, I, I think we will, um, we'll definitely do a live show. Uh, I, I, 
um, got a text message from um, one of our loyal listeners who lives in the Czech Republic. Um, Mm. And he actually uh, reached out and said, hey, I heard you and Sean talking about doing a live show. Tell me when because I want to fly out. And I'm like, seriously? Yeah, so he wants to fly out from the Czech Republic. Uh, to to hang out and and do the uh, the live happy hour. So we're we'll get definitely on that not that cool. We are not that cool. I, I don't know, Sean. I'm cool. Uh, he, you we're gonna. That. Are you gonna take him out on your? You, you better take him out on your boat or something, because just to, that is not. You know, one of your one of the fleet, the ham fleet, and uh, if you take him out, I think that would be that would be worth it because just to come out to Sacramento from the Czech Republic, just to you know watch us talk in front of you that'd be weird yeah that's funny that's funny now he does he is from here so it's not like he's czech coming from the czech republic he just happens to be in the czech republic for work okay for family and all that stuff so i'm not that smart that's where prague is right yeah that's where prague is and that's where uh, like my family is from uh the czech republic so i'm uh, i think more than a quarter czech so my grandfather was full-blooded czechoslovakian and I grew huh. up on like goulash and kolaches and uh, Czech food. What, uh, I know I've got Google in front of me, but how would you? Do, what is goulash? Um, it's like a beef stew. Uh, like, I think that's the best way. It's kind of like, it, um, like a European version of like chili verde, not not Ooh. chili, chili Colorado, not chili verde. So as, okay. you know, or like a red sauce, but instead of it, it's uh, a paprika base as opposed to um, like Chili Verde is more of a, I think it's probably, I mean, Chili Colorado is more of a um, chili powder base, I think. I, I, I don't think I've made Chili Colorado in a long time. Um, yeah, random, random stuff that we talk about here on. The Welcome KG to Goulash Podcast. Talk. That's right. <laughs> goulash Talk. And then kolaches, I don't know if you've ever had those. They're like a little Danish with uh, either like prunes or apricots uh, in the middle. Um, yeah. Hmm. My mom's okay. made them since I was uh, like long before I was born. She learned how to make them from her grandmother. So they've always been a staple at all of our uh, family festivities. Um, so anyway. Good trivia. This is, That's gonna, yeah. That'll be on the test later. So I hope I have people yeah, paying attention. It will be on the test. Uh, okay. So uh, if, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, if you don't mind, give us a thumbs up uh, and subscribe. We're, we're still cruising along. We're over 2,200 subscribers now here on the YouTube uh, channel. And that's spectacular. We're super excited about that. Um, the podcast has done great. Uh, we appreciate all of you loyal listeners. Uh, the King's Beat, um, I'll just put a reminder out there. If you are someone who has been a loyal uh, subscriber to the King's Beat, we are turning a year right now. So um, just make sure all of your, uh, if you did like a yearly subscription, uh, your yearly is probably coming up anytime. So make sure all of your uh, your payment information is correct and all that stuff. Um, so you keep getting content. We have gated content now. Um, all the time and uh, I try to balance it out so there's at least one article uh, and of course the podcasts every week that aren't gated um, but the rest of this stuff here um, you know we are doing a lot of gating which is you know you got to do it uh, but outside of that Sean um, it's kind of been your standard Sacramento Kings roller coaster since the last time we talked uh, the Kings dropped to 0-4 and and I know the panic here in Sacramento was like like Oof. Yeah, we hit like threat level midnight. 
right? I mean, <laughs> quote silly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just unnecessarily so, I figured. But um, I, I think maybe the most surprising thing about the 0-4 wasn't just the way maybe some media folks and maybe some fans and, you know, you never really want to, you know, crowdsource on Twitter because you always kind of just see the, the negative and vile stuff there. But everything's always DEFCON, DEFCON whatever, right? Um, but I, I, I was actually kind of surprised to hear that there were some players who were a little kind of, well, maybe even joining the overreacting uh, circus that was going on. Um, certainly, you, I think everyone realized that there would be a four-game losing streak at some point in the season and to, to have it right out of the gates could be disappointing. But I mean, James, if you're sitting there and you're going down the schedule, even a week before the game started and you're like, Hey, if they go one and three in this stretch, okay. It's probably about what I'd expect. Um, I think you were kind of right there with me and to be on four. Okay. That just meant you lost to Portland and uh, Portland, I think still is the, is top in the in the west right now is is the is in first place uh as we record this podcast so yeah man like i i i thought the kings actually were playing pretty well i think defense tends to be uh a real point of of focus and uh defenses just aren't really good to start the season for a lot of teams and the kings were as as a team that's trying to write the write the ship defensively uh, weren't excluded from that. I mean, they look they look downright horrible on defense, and um, especially the Warriors' loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I don't think there was a ton of negatives to take away outside of just how bad defensively the team was looking. And and obviously there needs to be more of a focus there. I think the turnovers are going to be high because let's face it, this team isn't accustomed to moving the ball like we've seen. And I think that's actually looked really really good. So. I think there was more positives to take out of the 0-4 start. I think you're just going up against teams like Memphis, who I think, in my opinion, I think when we – I don't even know if we did this. I'm, I'm getting lost in some of the episodes we've done. But, you know, they're, they're my pick to win the West, uh, number one. Oh, um, wow. Okay. I, I have so, them as a top three team. Yeah. Yeah. So even even if you don't, top three right there, right? Yeah. Um, the, the Warriors, a defending championship team, and uh, – and then if you take that a step further with what you saw, um, you know, Portland, they're trying to figure it out. That's one of those teams that you're just kind of in the mix with, with questions and everything like that. Um, I just didn't really feel, you know, that this, oh, and the Clippers, I forgot about the Clippers, who I think is another team that's going to be a top four team in the West, in the West as well. I mean, I know there's some people that think that they could be in that top three as well. So, um, they're just losing to upper echelon opponents. I think that they've been in pretty much every game. Uh, they've had some buzzard luck. I mean, you know, <laughs> my goodness, Demonis Sabonis in the in the officials. I mean, I know we can get into that in a little bit, but yeah. um, I I didn't panic, man. I really didn't. I didn't think it was going to be a bad thing. I think a lot. I think the most discouraging thing is so many of those were at home, all all but the uh, Warriors' loss. And uh, I didn't panic. I, I didn't. I, this was about again. I don't. Maybe it's because I don't have the most lofty of expectations. We we settled around thirty eight wins for this team. I think you might have been slightly higher than me. Um, yeah, I think I said forty one. I think I, I think they they can they can go five hundred. And I still think yeah. they, they can go five hundred just because sure. they started zero and four. And even like if we look at each of those games games individually, which I don't want to break them all down, but 
like the uh, the loss to the Clippers, that was 100% on ma- missed free throws. Like that's that's just a mental lapse. And you could even say the Portland game, like they missed a ton of free throws in that game as well. It was very possible that the outcome of that game was different if they just hit their free throws. And so like I thought that they were missing on maybe maybe a little mental fatigue. Like they're so focused on the offensive end, so focused on what they're trying to do new on defense that they forgot to settle in and like take care of the normal business of like hitting things like free throws. But overall, I think the the offense is exciting. Um, we've seen some incredible individual performances by multiple players. We've seen a couple of guys who have been off to a rough start who step up in crucial moments. We have a couple of guys who, you know, are hit and miss. And then, you know, like some of these guys uh, like are, are playing better than we thought. Like I think De'Aaron Fox came in playing absolutely spectacular basketball. Um, he's cooled off a little bit as far as a scoring threat, but even though he's cooled off as a scoring threat, uh, I think he's been better in other, other aspects of the game. I think Kevin Herter's been absolutely amazing. Um, you know, we've, we've seen some really, really bright spots. Like Keegan Murray continues to impress every time he steps on the, on the court. So like, yeah, when they're 0-4, it, for someone who's like, for Sean and I, who have covered this team forever, I mean, we kind of get numb to the losing a little bit and it's kind of like, okay, well, here we go again. And you're just kind of watching this thing explode on social media, like the chaos of a fandom. And I get it. Uh, you know, Kings fans are expecting different things. They're, you know, I, I saw after the 0-3 start, you know, fire Mike Brown uh, chance. Uh, I, I, we got to the 0-4. Wait, wait, hold on. Chance? I, Did you say chance? Oh, not chance, but like mentions him on social media. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's, I know Sean doesn't take much into that. But even no. like, um, you know, like local radio hosts, like going out there and saying like, if this thing goes to 0-6, 0-7, 0-8, someone's going to get fired and and it's like okay come on let's just let's just calm down for a minute and and i think the one thing that's good uh that over the last couple of days is we've seen you know they've gone 2 and 0 uh it hasn't been pretty they've you know uh they've had some highs and lows within these games um uh, you know the the Miami game what they lose they lead by 22 at the half and blow the lead and almost give it up to Miami uh the the next game out against Charlotte, um, you know, they look horrible and look like they're going to get beat. Uh, De'Aaron Fox gets hurt, and then they rally. And so I think we're seeing, like, some resiliency from this team, which, you know, isn't typical. Like, th- this team looks a little more resilient, a little bit more ready for the competition and, and what's ahead of them. And uh, and I keep saying this. I hope we get to see – I hope the Kings win because Mike – win more than they lose because Mike Brown has become really fun to cover and I don't want him to lose that. And and I think that, you know, if, if you're 15 games under 500, there's no joking around after a game or anything. Right. Um, But right now we still get to see sort of the positive that is Mike Brown. Yeah. And I wonder too, you know, when the losing skid got to 0 and 4, I wondered if they'd ever reach 500 again. I think that, crept into my mind um to where you're you know it doesn't mean that your your season's lost because obviously if you're 38 wins you can still get into a play-in tournament likely and uh and be under 500 and still compete so that doesn't mean your season's totally kaput but i i I do want to see the 500 record 
not fall below like four games. You know, you don't want to be within four games of being 500 in my opinion. Like that, that's any more than that. That's where things could spiral a little bit. Um, but I do like the way the team prepared. I still think I've got some question marks about um, how this team responds to physicality and whether or not they can be a mentally tough team. Um, because I think you could see some bad habits and characteristics that crept through during the 0-4 start. So while I'm not overreacting to that 0-4 start before the two wins, um, there are some things that do concern you as you as you look at the team. And I also feel like the Heat, you mentioned De'Aaron Fox a minute ago, uh, and it's a shame we're not going to see him play on Wednesday uh, in Miami because of that bone bruise that was suffered the other night in Charlotte. But uh, I kind of circled that game a little bit uh, the one here in Sacramento against the Heat, as as after the game, thinking that that might be the the his finest performance of the season, and we certainly have seen him score more in those first few games. But of those first few games, I think I was most impressed with him. Uh, he was rebounding, he was moving the ball, his defense probably looked as best that it had been in, in any of those few games. Uh, we don't really take much from the preseason there, but the way he found other ways to get involved in a game that Sabonis fouls out. Um, yeah. I mean, he knew that they were going to, he, he mentioned it to us afterwards, you know, not only taking the task of wanting to guard Tyler hero, who was on a career night, practically one point shy of his career high, but he, he really wasn't much of a factor in the fourth quarter. And when he was, he hit that crazy fadeaway three in the corner and Fox was all over him. So you know, I, I really was more impressed in that game when it came to De'Aaron. It's it's a shame that he's he's got this small setback that could cost him a few games, but uh, hopefully it's not more than a couple. But my goodness, I mean, for a guy who, you know, didn't have to go out there and score upwards of 30 points and to see them gut out a win, I thought was pretty impressive. Yeah, and what Sean is alluding to is um, on, what is today? It's on Tuesday afternoon, we got the, the news that um, – Fox had an MRI after the game last uh, on Monday night against Charlotte, and he has a, a bone bruise on his right knee. <clears throat> it, to be honest, it was expected. Like he he would yeah. need a knee contact. A guy got him on the interior of his knee. Um, it's nothing surprising. I'm not sure. Uh, like we don't know the severity of it, but it doesn't sound like it's very severe. Severe. He will miss the game against Miami on Wednesday. Um, but I don't even know how much he's going to miss outside of that. This isn't something that should linger for super long that I, I would expect. Um, I know he's super motivated to get back on the court. Uh, they've got Orlando after this, right? Um, it goes Orlando. On Saturday, they, yeah. They finish the four-game trip um, on Monday in Golden State. Um, he knows that they need him to be healthy, uh, you know, as much as any player. And you brought up the uh, the Heat game where he finishes with a career-high 13 rebounds. I think his 13th rebound came from his back. Um, <laughs> like, he was on the ground and was able to grab, scramble and grab a ball. Uh, but I'll point this out when it comes to Fox. I think we saw it in the Golden State game um, when the team started making this comeback. And, again, I, to, to me, the Golden State game, the fact that it got down to – like, what did it get down to? One point at one point. There's even, uh, they had a three, like a pair of threes to tie it. Uh, one from Herder, one from Monk. Both of them missed uh, at one point. 
that 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 game never felt like it was going to go the other way. Like the Kings were going to win that game. It never felt that way at all. But the point I'll make is that when Fox came in the game in the fourth quarter, he didn't try to take over. And I thought it was such a mature moment for him where he stepped on the court and he acted as a decoy and a facil- facilitator for his teammates and a, and a defensive catalyst. And that, to me, showed major, major growth because, you know, we've seen him put up huge offensive numbers and losses, and he doesn't care about the numbers. He wants the wins, and it felt like he was taking this monumental step where he wasn't forcing anything. And even you talked about the Heat game, he couldn't hit a bucket down the stretch. I think he missed his last four shots, maybe even the last five shots, and so yeah, he he made an impact on the game defensively as a rebounder. Uh, even when shots weren't falling, he finishes with like 17 points. But it just shows you growth. It shows you that that he is learning what Mike Brown keeps saying. And Mike Brown keeps telling us like that he, he has told Fox, like, we expect you to score 25 points or 30 points. That That's what you are. You're a scorer. Now, can you do something else? Can you do something right. else that changes the impact, that impacts the game? And I think he's, uh, like, answered the, the toll, you know, like, the call. And uh, it, I, to me, it's really, really impressive what we're seeing from him. And it's fun. Uh, we've, we've watched, you know, De'Aaron Fox as a 19-year-old kid all the way up until the, the you know, 24-year-old man that he's becoming. And to me, it, that's always part of the fun is watching a player grow up and, like, step into their shoes and, and fill out you know, uh, like who they should be. And I think we're starting to see it, which I think bodes really well for the Kings as we get down the, uh, down the stretch here. And, you know, as we start getting into, you know, the real games of the season, um, if this is who he's going to be, the Kings have a really legitimate shot to be a better team than expected. Yeah. And I think with the injury, you know, and you're right, they, they don't seem to be too terribly concerned about it. Um, I think the the odd part about the news that came out there was that there was no real real reevaluation timetable, and I think that's simply because based off the symptoms, mainly soreness and swelling, um, he's essentially day to day, and I think that's the way to look at his injury going forward. I I do wonder. Um, I, I would imagine he won't be available for Orlando. Err on the side of caution, and I think if if I'm them, I'm looking strictly at the. Golden State game to see if he can be ready to to play on that one on Monday. So um, I, I think, I, and to your point, James, I, you're right, and, and you do see him. You can kind of see him thinking out there a little bit because I think in years past you needed him to go out there and score 25, 30 points in effort to, for this Kings team to have a choice to have a chance to win. That's no longer the case, and even in games where Sabonis hasn't been there or hasn't been all that um, impactful, or his his minutes uh, aren't nearly there because of foul trouble, uh, I think he's done the right thing in in evaluating his teammates around him and being able to kind of rely on that. Now, granted, you've got some guys who are shooting the hell out of the ball right now, um, but uh, one of yeah. the guys that I mean, you, you mentioned Kevin Herter. That's fan. I mean, he's been fantastic and. That's really at the surprise of, I mean, at least for us, we're not surprised by it because we both thought that his, not only not only is he capable of doing that, we knew his attempts would just go up by virtue of being on this team and having playmaking around him. So, And plus he doesn't play with a guy like uh, Trey Young who's going to be kind of a bulk shooter. So uh, I, I've, I've liked what I've seen there. I know some people have been really down on Davion Mitchell 
But I think it's just really because of how Fox has played. I think he, he alluded to it uh, in his comments after the win in Charlotte, where it's, you know, Fox is playing like a, like an all-star caliber player in those first few games, and he just hasn't, Davion just really hasn't had the minutes. And I don't think, look, Davion's certainly capable of scoring, but when you talk about roles and people knowing their roles under Mike Brown, Davion has to play the role of the point guard right now. And he has to play the role of obviously one of being one of their better defenders. Scoring just really isn't isn't the uh, end all be all. And a lot of people I think will look at shots and scoring and say, well, he didn't play well, or he doesn't have the minutes. And then you come out and have a game like he did in Charlotte, which was absolutely fantastic. I mean, the guy was a killer on defense. He was a killer offensively. Uh, five threes, I think it was. Um, so certainly showing the breaking out moment, but. He just had bulk minutes, James. That's to me what stood out to me was the fact that he was able to operate at a natural position and and, and flourish because he was given extended opportunity to do so. You know, Sean, the thing that stands out to me with when it comes to Mitchell, because we're going to take on a few players like this. We'll we'll just kind of go through and, and talk about some of the players as we go through the pod today. Um, the thing that stands out to me with Mitchell is that Mike Brown um, – like we saw this all through training camp. He had these groups of five players and it was almost like first team, second team, third team, fourth team, right? It doesn't feel like there was any like cross pollination. It didn't feel like these guys were playing in different groups. And so when we get to the regular season, like I thought that they would steal minutes with Fox and Mitchell in the backcourt together and it instantly realized that they've never played it together. That's what it looks like. They have not played together in this offensive system. That, at least from my view, what it looks like. And I think for a lead guard specifically, that's really hard. It's really hard for him to be the leader of the second team. And then when he goes out there and he's playing with Fox, he's no longer the leader of that team. He, someone else is. And he's got to figure out how to play off of that person. It feels like that, like coming into the season, they just did not have enough of these, enough time where they were working um, sort of all of these players in together. Like we, we've talked about this before, like Rashawn Holmes and Damanis Sabonis have never played together at, in practice. They've only played against each other. That to me is really strange because they play the same role. Now, the one or two guys that kind of fit and, and it doesn't really matter is a guy like, like Keegan Murray. Because the forward position in this offensive scheme is very universal. It's you know it doesn't matter who you are, you're going to do the same exact thing, and it doesn't matter if you're a small forward or you're a power forward, uh, or even if you're a shooting guard. All of these guys are kind of playing the same exact role, where you know they have these four spots on the floor on the perimeter, the two corners, and then um, above the break, you know maybe three feet extended from the three point line. Uh, are these these other two spots so when you're running down the court it doesn't matter where where you are you're going to move to one of those four spots if you're one through four Um, and so it's easy for some of these guys to just fit in seamlessly from one group to the next but other players it's just really not that easy if you haven't played again I don't know if we're ever going to see Sabonis and and Rashawn Holmes play together and so the point I make about this is as opposed to Davion Mitchell being play, playing 24 minutes a game and the Kings figuring out the you know the 12 minutes per game where him and Fox are on the court together, 
we haven't seen that. We've seen Davion play 12 minutes. And so it's really been hard for him to get in any rhythm. He feels like he's forced it. And then the other thing that he's done a couple of times that I've noticed is anytime he knows he's getting pulled, he's he's hoisting a shot almost every single time. When he looks over and he sees Aaron Fox sitting on the sidelines, like, okay, it's my t- I'm going to make sure I get one more shot in before I get off the court. And that that to me is a bad sign as well. It's like he's he's just not getting comfortable and not being able to show what he can do and it's he's pressing and then we have this moment where fox goes down and he's basically stepping into the role that he's played the whole time and now he's comfortable again and you're like oh okay well that's the guy that we've been looking for so i think it's interesting um and, and i think it's part of the reason we're seeing it play out this way is because of the way that they ran training camp where they're really trying to reinvent the wheel in Sacramento. They're trying to teach a whole new offensive set, whole new defensive set. And so they're really trying to get these, like the continuity defined between small groups of players. And it doesn't feel like they've had the opportunity to start, you know, mixing these groups in together. Yeah. And I think there's not going to be that, at least so far, it doesn't feel like there's going to be this buy-in of a first unit, second unit kind of thing. It's it's really going to be an evolution of your of your rotation, and the object of trying to keep Fox or Sabonis on the floor at all times. Um, sometimes Mike Brown might go deep. Sometimes he doesn't in terms of how many players into the rotation he goes. Uh, historically, he's been a guy that doesn't go that deep, and I think this team is built for a team for a coach that that relies on a very deep rotation. And I know that there's a a, a, a a desire for Mike Brown to hopefully do that. But right when things went bad, he's already talking about shortening up the rotation. Now, yeah, you don't need to go 12 players deep. Um, <clears throat> but I do think Mike Brown subscribes to a a philosophy of each, each game takes on its own personality. And I feel like um, this team can benefit from that in a, in a major way. You know, he, there's a lot of talk about guys accepting roles, right? And I think, to Davia, to the point about Davion Mitchell, you know, six games doesn't make a season. So uh, the the stay ready mindset of next man up, uh, this game we're going to rely on you more than we might in this next game based off of the way the personality of the game unfolds. So um, I think that's going to benefit this team a lot in the long run. And it may not be the most consistent, but uh, it's certainly – it's certainly one I think he's going to rely on, particularly because, as you alluded to, James, there is so many new things and new uh, details and little things that this team has to pick up on, and it's just a constant evolution of the teaching uh, on this team. And it's year one with Mike Brown. Like This isn't going to be a finished product. It's still going to be going on for another year or two after this um, with a lot of the core players, and you just hope that those core players will eventually be able to, to grasp it and flourish within this within this system. But, um, yeah, these are the kind of the growing pains, and you know, I don't think it's the last 0-4 stretch you see in this, in this uh, season. Um, but I also feel like there, there's such an emotional um, – attachment to this team for a lot of people and some of them show their ass from time to time just just let it just <laughs> let it play out you know like you, you don't have high, to be so right never too low right. like yeah these people love keegan murray and they should like fans should love keegan murray you should be very very excited about what keegan murray means to you 
but look at his composure first and foremost. Try to emulate that. <laughs> like, like if you can approach the game like Keegan Murray does, it'll help you in the long run. I, I think people there that like I worry about them from a uh, emotional health standpoint. Like, my gosh, uh, you, you, the blood pressure and all that. You would think that this team had uh, fallen off a cliff sometimes. Yeah, uh, what is a Fight Club? <laughs> Uh, his name is Robert Paulson. Is that what they like? Yeah. Like yeah. everyone, like everyone needs to be Kiki Murray. Like R I P Meatloaf. <laughs> yeah. Can you can you be like or be Keegan Murray? You know, just to, maybe we'll make a shirt of that. Um, yeah, it, it's tough, and I get it. I mean, fans are they've been raked through the coals over the last sixteen years, and um, it, it's tough. So I get the overreactions, um, and you know, I'll even. Um, I think that's a good shirt, up. by the way. The many faces of Keegan Murray, like total yeah. elation, and he's looking like this. That's total yeah. elation. Total pissed yeah. off. Same look. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, maybe we'll, we'll get on that. We'll get on that. <laughs> that's um, a good idea. <laughs> yeah, that is a good idea, Sean. We, we should brainstorm <laughs> shirt ideas more often. Um, yeah, I'll say this. I, I think, uh, like, to get back to Davion, I think this is perfect for Davion. Even if it's one game that Fox misses or it's two games, he's going to get to play with Kevin Herter. He's going to get to play. He's already played a bunch with, uh, like, Harrison Barnes in the past, but he's going to get to play with Keegan Murray. He's going to get to play who he played with his second unit a, a bunch, but he's going to get to play with Domana Sabonis. A and, again, like, just to point out the obvious here, but there's a huge difference between playing with Domantas Sabonis in the starting unit and playing with Rashawn Holmes. And it's not just like skill level or talent level or or numbers or anything else. It's play style. Like they mm -hmm. are totally different types of players. And so I, I think a lot of us, we get in this, uh, we get caught up in like, why does the second team look so bad? It's like, because you're asking these guys to do something that's not natural and that the first team doesn't have to do. The first team literally has a two-time all-star that can throw dimes all over the court and is like the center of the universe hub. The second team doesn't have that guy. And it makes it very difficult to go from one team to the next because, you know, again, it, it's almost like a completely different play style that you have to go to when you go to the second unit. Um, Sean, and that brings us to, wait for it, Tuesday overreactions. The NBA officials are out to get DeMontis Sabonis. <laughs> They, they want blood. Uh, DeMontis has done something. Um, he kicked their puppy. I don't know what he did. He went full Baxter uh, from Anchorman and punted, you know, the, the dog off the bridge. I, I don't know what happened here. The dude's averaging 4.7 fouls per game. Like, mm -hmm. what is happening? Because this isn't who he is as a player, like, historically. And all of a sudden, is it that just... The offense, the defensive scheme, is hanging this dude out to dry. I think a little bit because I, uh, you know, you go back and rewatch, and I know the fans will. A lot of fans will disagree because they're always so, you know, they want to beat every official with a stick. <laughs> but the, the the crew against the Miami Heat was really tough. Uh, they were, to their credit, they called a lot of fouls, but they. They called a lot of cheap fouls, a lot of stuff that probably could have let that go. Probably didn't need to, you know, there's probably from a, but again, I thought they did it on both sides. I mean, I thought 
Miami was the recipient of, of a lot of tough calls too. The game seemed to take forever because of how many um, whistles were just going on, especially in that opening quarter. Um, but yeah, Domas, I think, I think a lot of it could stem and I haven't talked to him about this yet, but I think some of it could stem from playing international and obviously the game just a little over a month ago or two, however long it was ago, two months ago, and he's playing overseas and you know, the game is a little bit chippier, a little bit different, a little more physicality, hand checking, all that stuff. So, um, maybe there's some things he has to unlearn again. Um, he's so big, man. And he, he, he does get clobbered a lot and it doesn't seem like it's very consistent on, on both ends. Um, especially in the double teams that he, that he faces. So yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a, of a figuring out process. I don't think that's what, you know, I didn't really feel like he was treated unfairly until really the, really the Miami game. And then he fouls out again in the, uh, in the game in Charlotte last night. So, um, yeah, man, he, he's, he's kind of having a go with it and, uh, hopefully it works itself out. I, I, I think it is an overreaction. I do. Um, but you just don't want it to impact him mentally. And I think he was in a pretty good headspace after the, the game uh, against Miami. But that's, of course, because they won. You know, they won. They never let go of the lead. They, it was a wire-to-wire victory in a game that they still had a 22-point lead go down to two possessions. So, um, gosh, that would have been just a heartbreaking loss had they lost that game. And, oh, and fortunately, they it. didn't. So, yeah. I'm, I almost jinxed it, too, didn't I? Like, uh, yeah, well, back to you, our you did. I, I, yeah, there. I was coming back to the seat of the half, and everyone's all like chipper. I'm like, uh, heat by three, and like I almost got booze from people in the in the media, and I'm like, and then it turned out to be a really close game. Um, I'll point a couple of stats out. Uh, the Kings are 28th in the league in personal fouls at 23.8 per game, and they're only getting fouled 21.3 times per game, which is 16th. Um, the free throw percentage, which was so atrocious early in the year. Um, they're actually up to 74.5%. And, and I just want to point out a couple of individual numbers within the free throw percentage. Um, Harrison Barnes is shooting 78.8% from the free throw stripe now. Um, he's only shooting 11% from three, which I don't know what's happening there, but that doesn't make any sense. And he's up to three attempts per game. Um, De'Aaron Fox, what do you think De'Aaron Fox is shooting from the line, Sean? 82? 84. Ooh, I was close. Like, this is a career 72-73% free throw shooter. Yeah, Um, yeah. if you had him shooting 5% better than Kevin Herter, uh, you won some sort of pool. Um, Yeah, and I I think, like, overall, we're seeing the Kings, like, they fixed that problem. um, But it feels like a lot of times they're chasing their tail a little bit. And just to finish up on Sabonis... Um, there have been plenty of fouls that I'm just like, okay, man, like, that's just not a foul. Like, what was the, the game where, I think it was the Heat game, where they, um, he should have fouled out way earlier because they, in the first quarter, Mike Brown had to challenge his third foul in the first quarter, and he could have easily fouled out earlier. Mike Brown could have used probably four more challenges in that game and won all of them. Like, I thought that that was really, really poorly officiated. And I think that that's been, like, a common theme that the Kings, like, just the game itself is just, like, it's clunky and, like, the there is no flow because the officials have really, like, gummed up the whole game. I'm not quite sure what's happening early in the season. But 
I think it's points of emphasis. I mean, we go through it every year. The the first yeah. month ends up being a little bit of a feeling out process. Yeah, but Sean, I'll point this out too. Like, De'Aaron Fox is one of the uh, the premier uh, guards getting to the basket in the league. I mean, he's like in the top three in uh, in baskets at the rim. He's down to four point four point two free throw attempts per game. Last year he was at five point nine. The year before he was at seven point two, and it it just seems to me like they're just not ca- getting calls. And I, I know like even the the one play where they reviewed it and he had a turnover against uh, Bam. Clearly, like if you're going to review a play and see if the ball went out of bounds off of Fox, which it did, you probably should call the foul that happened that forced the ball to go out of bounds. And I don't think they're getting calls. And, and I also think that, like, you know, again, to get back to Sabonis, he has to figure it out. Like, he can't get in foul trouble against, like, is it Mason Plumley? Is that who it was? Mm-hmm. Uh, Good yeah, dude. I mean, yeah, you, you can't get into foul trouble against Plumley. That doesn't make sense. Like, but that's what Plumley does. Like, Plumley's a very physical player, and he, he, he knows, I mean, that's why he's, still in this league. I mean, he had, he's an athletic player who can really play physical and really kind of lure you into making some dumb plays. I didn't think there was many ones that, that were too out of character for him. Uh, you know, certainly there have been some bad calls, but I feel like every time they go back and they look at him, no, you still fouled. Like, it's just the whether or not they're going to call the foul or not. And I think right now they just have a microscope on the guy. Um, there's been a few where there's just like, I didn't see a foul there at all. And, and, you know, I'll bring up, this isn't even involving Sabonis, but you go back to the Memphis game with Keegan Murray, the offensive foul and the knee to the oh. groin to, to Steven Adams. They reviewed that and still said that that was a foul, an offensive foul on Murray. Um, I get it. You like letter of the law, you're going to do it. Uh, I hate, I'm not the guy that loves going down and, and, and trying to hammer officials because it is a, it's it, man, it's tough. It, it's tough. Yeah. You've got three of you on the floor. Um, you know, benefit of replay. These guys usually get it right. Um, and it's, it's just, it's tough, man. It's just tough. I think, um, I think it's just, it, it will do the fan base a lot of good to try to put the officials behind you and not feel like the world's out to get you all the time. Don't play the victim so much, but I will say when it comes to De'Aaron Fox, him getting to the paint, we made the, in prior shows, we've talked about this. Like I'm a firm believer that, um, De'Aaron gets to the gets into the paint, looking to draw a foul and not looking to score. And by in doing so, um, he doesn't get the call. If you're looking to score the ball and you get fouled, they'll call it. Um, there's certain players that are much more better at deception than De'Aaron. De'Aaron's not good at deception. Um, he's fast, which 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 helps, but he's not a Kevin Martin. He's not a James Harden. He's not one of those players that can, uh, even Chris Paul, who who has a little bit of a slower game now too, and still works with deception very very well and uses it to his to his advantage. Those players who are brilliant at drawing fouls are also trying to score the ball when they when doing so, and I think that's a huge difference. Now I will parlay that into this year. I do see a change there. De'Aaron, when he's in the paint, is more purposeful than just trying to get someone to touch his arm to get to the free throw line. And um, he's still not getting the call yet. So maybe you got to get an all-star team. Yeah, it's really tough. And, and fortunately for De'Aaron, he's done a very good job uh, during this opening stretch. He's found a way to 
score at a high level. But again, I just go back to that Miami game, man. Like he showed me something in that game because he was able to do so many, so much more other things. You mentioned what Mike Brown said, like, no, you're supposed to do that. It's the old Chris Lock, Chris Rock, uh, stand up bit where the guy's like, well, I take care of my kids. He's like, yeah, you're supposed to, you dumb MF or like that's you're supposed to do. You don't get credit for shit you're supposed to do. So, so he wants to see what else he can contribute and, him not scoring that game, even though he's supposed to, and not getting that 25 mark or wherever that they, they kind of have a barometer for him, he was able to contribute in so many other ways. And for that, he really stood out. And that's all you really need. You want to be able to see the way a guy can can stand out to help the team in more ways than one. Yeah. Uh, and they're looking for everyone to do that. And um, I'll even, like, we – like I in writing and in radio appearances and, and all that stuff, I think like we'll we'll talk about Harrison Barnes now. I, I think Harrison Barnes has become like in Sacramento the poster child for the Owen Four start, and then like we we've kind of like forgotten that he's also like the player that's helped them get out of the hole uh, with the the two victories. And again, he's not scoring twenty points every game. He's had one twenty point game. Um, but he is doing so many other things that you're kind of ignoring at this point. Is he great defensively? No, I'll, I'll, I think we're deep enough into this sample size where you can see that maybe he has lost a little on the on the fastball when it comes to uh, the defensive side of the ball. Like, I mean, it does look like he's a little slow to react. It looks like he's yeah. a little a little off, uh, and I don't think that that there's going to be some miraculous thing that happens where he all of a sudden becomes much better at it. Um, but I still think, you know, there are games where he's been just absolutely spectacular at doing the little things that you need to win, getting to the free throw line to uh, stem the tide, uh, getting rebounds that you didn't expect. Like there are a lot of things that he is doing and that's not to heap a bunch of praise on him because uh, you know, again, he has not been, great to start the season we talked about him averaging 11 points uh, i mean 11 percent from from three he's down to you know he's around 11 points per game um like those things will will figure themselves out he's a player that the laws of averages will like eventually work themselves out so uh what it what do you think though about his response because we've hit him and we've hit mike brown with quite a few questions like what's going on there and um do you feel like maybe he is getting into the flow a little bit or are we still, uh, is he one of those players that you think is like kind of lost in the, Oh great, here we go again moment. No, I think, I think for him, it's still figuring out of his role because offensively, and I, you know, I always bring this up. I always want him to shoot the ball more, but he's the guy like in the video game <laughs> that has his spots and Harrison needs to get to his spots and otherwise he's he's not gonna shoot the ball the way he should or 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 shoot from a different spot than he's he, he has his spots on the floor that are his spots and if he's not there uh it, it, it he's 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 stuck in no man's land trying to feel it out and move the ball and be a good teammate so um I'm always wanting him to be more selfish because I feel like he can shoot over the top of anybody um he's a above average shooter uh, he can rebound well at his position, like all these things that that you've come to know about Harrison Barnes. But he's also Harrison Barnes, and which means he doesn't do that. He doesn't uh, become selfish. He he's a very team oriented player, and he could. All his teammates always want him to shoot more. He started the last season off offensively spectacularly, 
Um, he was a, 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 a he was on a milk carton in a Kings jersey through first four games, and didn't look like he I belonged. Wrote, I wrote that. I, I, Did I you? Actually, <laughs> Same I analogy. I put him on a milk carton in my in my six uh, my six quick thoughts. I put him on a milk carton. Great yeah. minds think alike, James. Um, yeah, I, I think now you're right, though. I mean, he is he's playing better. I think it's um, I think he's he's a little bit. He I, I know he talked to Mike Brown um, uh, before uh, the game on on Sunday. No, yeah, no. I'm trying to get my days mixed up now. Saturday after the three o'clock. So game. yeah, so sat, yeah before the Saturday game, the Miami game. Um, he did speak to Mike Brown that Thursday. He met with us on Friday. Um, I think when you have one of those those meetings and you're kind of figuring out your role and really diving into what you could be doing more rather than what you are doing, um, it tends to get a little bit more focus on some of those little things. And um, I, I figured he was going to come out and have a great game. I think they ran the first three plays through him, if I'm not mistaken. And then... Uh, yeah, hopefully it trickles over. It's 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 the games against those teams that are more, much more physical and longer that concern me when it comes to him because this team desperately needs a a rim protector. <laughs> and oh my gosh, man, like they're just they're still like an they still have holes in their roster. They have a lot much more quality depth, but even if it's Harrison Barnes on this team, or maybe you move Harrison Barnes to find that rim protector and, and you just go, okay, you're handing the keys to Keegan Murray and you just know that what you're going to have there is going to be pretty fantastic. And Trey Lyles just kind of fits in a little bit better at that point. I don't know. Maybe that's what you do. Um, but they, they really need a rim protector. I think when you have something, somebody like that, it's going to bode well for Harrison. But I also feel like Keegan's played so well and the two of them on the floor at the same time, even when Keegan starts, um, you know, has it has it, I think they've got a nice little chemistry going. So uh, I think it, there might have been a little bit of a feeling out process. Hopefully, what you said that he's turned a corner. I hope that's true, but I still want to see that guy. I, I need to see Harrison Barnes be more selfish. Yeah, I, I think that's what a couple of players on this team would feel like. Um, that actually, you know, I don't think there's anyone that I really could point to and say, "Oh man, why is that guy being so selfish?" Like, I do think that, like, early in the season, like, and, and the numbers, like, show it, too. Like, the Kings are, like, number five or number six in the league in assist percentage. Like, almost every single, well, like, it's something crazy high. Like, 67% of their of their, uh, their baskets are assisted. I mm-hmm. mean, that's that's crazy. It's great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's see. They're, they're fifth, 66.5. Um, and and they're, they're doing other things. Like, I'll keep pointing this out. The Kings are second in the league in defensive rebound percentage at 75.5%. I mean, that is nuts. Like, the only that's, team that's better than them rebounding at, like, defensive rebounding percentage-wise are the Raptors. Uh, and That's Sabonis, man. Sabonis. I mean, he's, he's, got, he's gobbled up everything. Yeah, but he's, he's barely averaging 10 rebounds a game, I think, when you look at Fox having those games where he's got 13 and uh, averaging 7 a game before he got hurt. Um, in the one game, which totally skewed his stats. And then we have guys like Keegan Murray, which I'll just be honest with you. Keegan Murray is a much better rebounder than what we're seeing so far. Yeah, He's averaging really around is. four rebounds per game, and it feels like he doesn't know when to go in and get a ball, when not to uh, quite yet. And once he figures that out, he's going to average, you know, six and a half, seven rebounds a game. Um, did you think – this is a, a, an interesting – when when we started this season, we are walking into the season – 
Murray missed the first game with COVID, but did you think that any way possible in his first five games that he would lead the team in minutes per game at like almost 36 a game? No, but I figured he'd be in the top maybe three uh, of players. Um, but I, you know, I thought, I thought they'd be riding Sabonis and Fox pretty hard at that point. And uh, yeah. it just hasn't, it hasn't been the one, but, the, but he did factor in for me as somebody that was going to be around the three to four top minutes on the team, whether he was starting or not. That's why I wasn't concerned with him not starting. Um, so that didn't bother me. I also like the expectation, I think the biggest expectation I had coming into the season as well and it, 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 like I, I feel like this is going to be a top ten offensive team in the league, which is going to make them very fun to watch. And I don't know if you shared that or if you felt they'd be on a little bit on the outside of that. But like contrasting that defensively, like if you can just improve five spots, six spots, ten spots, whatever it be, you don't have to be the best defensive team in the league. Clearly, you're not going to be that. But if you can, if you can score the way you're capable of scoring at the pace you want to do so and improve just a little bit defensively, that could really have a, a an impact in the wins loss column. Yeah. Right now the, the Kings are six in the league in pace, uh, which is expected um, j- j- just because of the point guard that they have um, offensive rating wise. They are uh, 18th. Um, but again, I think that that's something that can improve greatly. Uh, they are a team that, you know, again, can shoot the three ball like crazy, um, we've seen the, like Fox hasn't shot nearly as much as he did early in the season, but Herder's taken over as like, just this incredible force. It's just absolutely like, he's fun to watch yeah, and man. it's all with, it's all within the flow. And then Sean, right now, the, the Kings are tied for 20th in defensive rating, um, which is, which is impressive. You know, like they've got a long ways to go. Uh, and they're not going to be a team that that's going to have like a, a ton of block shots or anything else. Um, like if you start getting into the the nitty gritty of the offense, the things that people should start looking at, uh, you know, Mike Brown keeps talking about like this upward trajectory that he sees and the like advanced statistics, they confirm that like true shooting. This team is seventh in the league in true shooting at 59.2%. Uh, what is like the effective field goal percentage? The Kings are fourth in the NBA in effective field goal percentage. Like these are numbers that are really, really crazy. They're um, uh, again, their assist percentage is is off at like sixty six point five percent. That is wild. That they're fifth in the league in in assist percentage, and these are numbers that like typically. If you're looking at those stats right there, that's an elite offensive team. So can they get a little more continuity on the fast break? Can they figure out that second team and how they're going to start running the ball through uh, someone other than Rashawn Holmes? Just to be honest, like, and that's not me calling out Rashawn. Like, I, I don't think you can you can't keep trying to do the same things with Rashawn Holmes that you do with uh, Demonis Sabonis, and like whatever's going on there, I, I don't know we'll ever fully grasp um but like he's just not really figuring out he he he's too late on his screens um he's waiting way down like we're all when the kings come down and sabonis is in the court is on the court you're seeing him set a screen in the first like two seconds uh, of the team crossing half court when holmes is in the game you're seeing him start all the way down like he's in the low block 
and then slowly coming up and setting the screens. The guards aren't waiting for him. He's getting offensive foul calls because the guards aren't waiting for him. There's like an impatience to what he's doing uh, from like his, his teammates, but also like he's not getting up fast enough. Like there seems to be this this weird flow that's happening. And then, Sean, the reason I, I lead to that is I think Trey Lyles needs to be part of the rotation, and we're seeing mm-hmm. that over the last couple of games too. Trey Lyles is just a super smart guy on the court who does some of the things that Sabonis does as far as going up and setting screens at the right time and his ability to actually hit shots from the perimeter. I want to see him play some small ball five. I, I would like to see him play more. Um, I thought he was one of the major, major reasons that the Kings got their first win. I thought he was tremendous in that game. And, uh, he was. and I, yeah, and I thought he was good in Charlotte too. Like he, he's just a dude, like, is he hitting a shot like he should? Probably not, but he's a guy who quietly puts up stats. And at the end of the day, you're like, oh, well that was effective. <clears throat> he's one of those guys that, uh, I mean, look, he is what he is. Like, I don't want to like polish him and no. say that he's like, you know, cause there's a reason he's been on so many different teams. It, he is a very smart, talented basketball player. And he's someone who never really reached his potential and just kind of fell into being this role player. And I do feel he's one of the guys that I had in mind when I'm talking about the personality of the game. You know, there's just some nights he won't get off the bench. Like you, 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 I don't know that he'll be a steady rotational player, but certainly uh, he's a break, gla- break glass in case of emergency type player where um, – he comes out and he can he can address a specific need right away. He rebounds pretty decently for for how he is. Even even he used to utilize so much of his bulk before, and now he's trimmed down. Um, he can still rebound well. He's got the corner three that's pretty consistent. Probably want to see it a little bit more consistent. But mm-hmm. you're right, James. They don't win that game without him uh, in that Miami game and and kind of help uh, hold off that Heat run. And you know, thought he had some pretty decent minutes. Um, Last night as well in Charlotte, he had that kind of awkward step, and I think that's what ended up with the the little foot injury that he that he's currently questionable with for Wednesday's game with Miami. But um, I I would disagree just a little bit because I just don't think he's a guy you can rely on. Like if you let's just say let's put it this way, if you have to rely on him to be a rotational minutes player all the time, despite how smart I feel he is I just feel like his ability elsewhere isn't quite there I just don't think you're going to be that good so I feel like in in, in using him in the in a different type of facet to where uh it, it it really depends on how foul trouble goes it depends on how the personality of the game goes um you can address certain moments to put him in and I think by by how smart he is he's probably more adaptable to that type of role yeah, I mean, he is an adaptable player. I-, I thought it was crazy against Miami. Mike Brown had him defending Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. and he didn't get he didn't just get torched. I mean, it wasn't just like a, a brutal laydown. You know, it it wasn't it wasn't that bad at all. Um, so, like, I-, I just think that like he's a guy that if he's your nine ten guy in a rotation, you can be okay. Like, yeah. I-, I don't think that. I- like, again, I'm not saying he's a game ch- changer every night, but. I, I do believe he's had two huge blocks in crucial moments in the last couple of games that helped secure wins. Like, again, I think he's a guy who surprisingly has done some things that just kind of stand out. Um, and you know what? Like, uh, we're not going to keep going all night, all afternoon long here. But uh, 
the other guy I'll point to, um, like, I, I think we all feel this way. Like, how excited were you to see uh, Matthew Delavadova, like, get in a game, play solid minutes, actually get an opportunity? Uh, because, I mean, the guy's been through it over the last, like, five years with injuries. And, uh, you know, last year he played in Australia. We, none of us thought he would make the roster coming out of camp. And then all of a sudden he became a roster player, and I think it's still surprising to everybody. Um, but, like, when they needed him, he showed you why they they uh, they made that move. And, you know, having a third point guard every once in a while comes in handy. Yeah, and he came in and he, he handled it. You know, his next man up, it's a, it's a position he knows how to play well. Um, can you sustain it? Question mark. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, certainly he comes in and he, he knocked down a big shot, you know, and it was uh, a welcome sight for sure. I mean, good for him. I still, I, it's like having another coach on the bench. And I think that's ultimately where it's headed for him. Uh, but I think he's a good influence among some of the younger guards. He's a good influence to help implement a Mike Brown system because he knows it so well. And, uh, yeah, man, it was uh, it was definitely good to see. Yeah, I mean, in uh, eight minutes, he he scored three points, had three assists, hit the big three point shot, and um, in a tight ball game, was a plus ten. Um, I did not expect that to be the case for him to ever have a moment where you came in and you're like, "Huh, Matthew Delvadova <laughs> may have helped them win a game." Huh. What was more surprising, the fact that you saw Delhi get into the game? Or you saw Udonis Haslam get into the game at 42 years old the other night when Miami was in Sacramento. Wasn't that wild? Like, you know, that like two years ago, Udonis Haslam played one game the entire season, played four minutes. And, and I think he was healthy and just sat there the whole year. And then against Sacramento, he played four minutes in the first quarter. I'm like, what is happening? I mean, like Bam got into foul trouble. He hit that shot, too. And then he had another shot that it barely got the front of the rim. Uh, and he'd been running some a little bit. So it was a uh, shout out to Adonis Haslam though. Mr. You know, Mr. 305, that dude has <laughs> 42 years old, James. And you're going up against the Kings team. That's running like that. Do you know what's crazy though, Sean? I think he went in and, and picked up two fouls on Sabonis. James, and that's what I mean. Older than like, me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's you don't crazy. have many, how many players are in the league that are it's probably what? Two. I don't even know if I can name the other one. Hell's yeah, that's that's just crazy. How old's LeBron? He's he's younger than me, but not by okay. much. But not by much. Um, yeah, that's actually yeah. He's what is he like thirty eight, thirty seven? I don't know. Somebody get dragged for not knowing LeBron's age. That's like the one player you need to know. Thirty. He's gonna be yeah. thirty eight December thirtieth. Our birthdays are very close. Yeah. So. Um, all right, Sean. Let's uh, let's hit the <laughs> uh, the business of basketball. Um, this it. could go under Tuesday overreactions. Oh, um, but uh, like I, I know, I saw our friend Frankie Cardicelli um, put out a tweet this morning where it was um, like the Kings handing the dysfunctional franchise torch over to the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, um, I, and and so like first of all, we we can touch on Brooklyn for a sec because uh, that is a like. Like it's a flaming bag. It's of a shit left on show. No, on it is porch. a <laughs> shit show, man. It is a disaster. Oh, 
Go ahead. Sorry. I I just oh they are. It's okay. It is. Isn't it wild? Like I someone started breaking. Uh, oh, it was uh, Zach Lowe. He started breaking it down. He said, uh, "Okay, so two years ago, like Kyrie took a bunch of time off just because. Then last year he refused <laughs> to because. get his his vaccination, uh, which cost him uh, more than half the season and caused a bunch of trouble with him and like their team. The team unity totally split." They traded for James Harden. That didn't work out. That dude checked out like he had in other places, and then he's gone. They trade for Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons uh, like decides he's not going to play and then goes in for back surgery. Uh, now you get to this season, and, uh, well, even like the offseason, uh, you know, like you have uh, Kevin Durant demand a trade. That doesn't work. Then he demands that they fire the coach and the GM. That doesn't work. They don't trade him. They don't do anything with the coach and the GM. And now they're in this disastrous spot where Ben Simmons, like, won't shoot, won't go to the line, won't do anything. And Durant, I'm sure, is going to ask out at some point. You got Kyrie out there, like, backing anti-Semitic films. Uh, and, and, like, the whole thing, you got in the front row uh, a, a group of fans wearing shirts protesting uh your your star player or one of your star players like this thing is spun out and then steve nash gets fired oh it's was, on you I was waiting steve for nash. it oh steve nash gets fired but wait wait we're gonna go get the guy who who's been booted for and took a team as a first year head coach to the boston he took the boston celtics all the way to the nba finals and he's been kicked out because he got an inappropriate relationship and not just an inappropriate relationship, but he got awkward after the inappropriate relationship. Like this is some next level chaos. So, uh, yeah. Did they pass a torch? I do believe they passed a torch. Not only did they pass a torch, James, they, they blazed their own trail. I mean, the, the nets are a flat out freaking disgrace. It is, yeah. it is a nightmare. <laughs> It's a nightmare. I when we started this podcast just a hour eight seconds ago, um, actually it was probably about ten minutes in. I got a text message from a buddy of mine who just said, "Like, how bad do you feel for their PR team? And uh, like, how bad? Not only do you feel for their PR team, but their can you imagine? Can you imagine what Ime Adoka's press conference is going to be like? Like." You first of all, I call him a disgrace too because Michael Rosenberg from Sports Illustrated has a brilliant article. Go watch, go go read it if you can. If you have a moment, go read it. It is absolutely fantastic. He just absolutely drags the Nets through the coals as they deserve to be. I mean, this is just awful. I mean, the fact that it's not great when your owner has to come out and say that you don't stand with anti-Semitism, <laughs> despite what your player has has shown on his uh, social media channels. And then you're not going to – then you – like you said, James, there was like nine people sitting courtside with anti – with like saying to basically stop anti-Semitism right by Kyrie Irving as he's inbounding the ball. When you got that going on in your organization, that's bad enough. But you're going to take a coach who was, albeit a good coach last year, is capable of getting a team to a finals. I get it. But literally told to – you're fired without being fired – suspended based off of breaking team rules and a whole bunch of stuff that's still under investigation, but yet you're going to be comfortable and going, oh, you know what? Let's bring him in. Let's, that's the guy we need. That's just, that's the added 
chaos solution that we need for this success? Like, are you out of your mind? Like, you couldn't just go get Quinn Snyder, just do the safe route. Just that's what I would have done. I'd have gone right out of Quinn Snyder, paid him whatever the hell he wants, and just fix it, fix it. But no, you got to go after and get Ime Udoka. After, in in light of all this chaos that's coming from Boston, and you want to you want to get in bed with that? Nah, man, nah, man, that ain't it. That ain't it. You know what's crazy is uh, the Kings just played the Charlotte Hornets, right? The Charlotte Hornets um, this offseason, they had uh, their star player uh, get arrested for domestic violence and is no longer part of the league. We have no idea what's going to happen with him. They had a uh, they had Kenny Atkinson accept the job and then turn the job down a couple of days later. They went back to a coach that hadn't been there, that they had already had there for years, fired and brought him back a couple of years later. They got one of their young players. He's he's been pulled over by the cops like five times in the last three months, and like the last time was during the season where he was found passed out like at the wheel. Like this is all happening in one season, and we don't even care. We don't even care because the, the like flaming dumpster fire that is the Brooklyn Nets is like overshadowed everything. So, so yes, we can say that the Kings have passed the torch, even if they, they don't win the season. Um, even if their level of chaos couldn't touch what Brooklyn's chaos, like with a, they can't even come within a hundred miles of what Brooklyn is doing right now. Like if the worst thing you could say with the Kings at any point was like, man, they just really, they're a lot of ineptitude, a lot of, uh, a lot of infighting. They don't know what they, they don't know what they're doing. They're hiring people who don't deserve to be hired. They're firing people after not giving them a chance. Like, okay, that's just that's a rotating carousel of craziness. Like, there is craziness. I'm, I, I get you. But you're talking about like you will never have to find anything within the Kings organization that that falls under anti-Semitism. Are you out of your mind? Wild. And oh, <laughs> that guy, that guy isn't he the president of the Players Association? The VP. The VP. Okay, so uh, at what point do the players step up, do the right thing, and fire his ass? Like, that's not okay. Like, he can't be that. He can't lead your group. Does he stand up for what you guys believe in? Because as of right now, you still allow him to be the president of the Players Association. I tuned wow. into that press conference. Uh, I know him and Nick Friedle had a moment. Um, that was wild, too. But, like... I miss that. I, think, I love Nick Fordell. Nick, is, I, I don't think people don't know Nick. He, he is one of the the best dudes out there. He's fun. I don't think you can. Um, I understand. I feel like I understand what Kyrie is trying to say, but it, it it just falls flat, man. Like he went and deleted the tweet. We get it. Um, but he does. There's no like. Just just apologize. Maybe. I mean, I don't. What are you doing, man? What are you doing? There's no accountability, man. That's that's the problem. That's right. that's when you have a lack of accountability. That's what we're seeing from that franchise. Yeah, and, and it so. it was a it was a total circus, and, and it's going to continue to be that way. They're not going to make Kyrie available to the media tonight, and that's probably a good idea. If you're the media there, I mean, if you're a f- just oh my god, I know some people would be like, we don't want to hear from Kyrie Irving anyway, but it's like, yeah, we get that, but there's a basketball component to this, and. You can't just give him the free pass of not being able to talk to the media and 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 do the the job that's necessary. Um, I don't even think it's just, that, Sean. Sean, there he he has to 
talk. He has to explain himself. Like, right. Like if that's who he's going to be and that's like, you know, there are people who are doing things out there in the league that, you know, like they deserve to be run out of the league. I mean, we're, we're just going through the Josh Primo thing. And what is right. Josh Primo like a 19 year old kid? Um, and, and I'm not excusing anything that Josh Primo is done. No. Like, no, 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 no. That it, like he got what was happened. Like what happened is what happened. And I would even think that if I'm the Spurs, I don't think that they're like, they have to violate his contract for clause. They shouldn't have to pay him 4 million bucks for next year. Um, yeah. So realizing so, by the way, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I'm just saying like we have that situation, but they're like, there should not be a superstar rule for being a dumbass, for being a dumbass in society. And, and like, oh, well, he's a superstar, so it's okay. We'll put up with the dumbassery right now from this idiot. Like, that's that's not okay. So Re- Realizing that this comparison I'm trying to draw isn't going to land, but Myers Leonard used an anti-Semitic slur in a video game stream, and no one's ever heard from him again. The Heat banished yeah. him. He was gone. Um, yeah. realizing he's not the star player that Kyrie Irving is. I understand that. But <laughs> you, you could compare the situations. You could compare the situations. And yeah. um, w- with already everything that you've had to endure with, with Kyrie Irving, and this is just the latest thing, like, I don't know, man. It, it, it's crazy. It's just it's just nuts. It's nuts that that's and, – and by the way, it's it's coming, what, a week after everything that's gone through with Kanye West. Um, yeah. People, again, people out here showing their ass, that's for sure. It's yeah. just bizarre times. We, we live in a really, really weird time. We live in a re- weird time. All right. Uh, Sean, do we have any final thoughts? <laughs> don't be anti-Semitic. Um, don't, be, don't be anti-Semitic. <laughs> Semitic. To just bring don't it down. Do it. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. Uh, to bring it back to Kings, like yeah, I think I think Kings fans are hopefully feeling pretty good. How about the big purple beam? Could you see that big purple light from from your palatial estate up in the uh, the mountains? Is it snowing up there? By the way, it's really no, cold outside and it rained today, and I'm not happy. It's okay, so it's 48 degrees. Hashtag so it, I know it, we need it. It can't <laughs> snow. Um, it would have to drop 10 degrees to snow. Uh, okay. But it did start raining and started raining hard today, and and I don't like the to. rain. Yeah, I don't like the rain at all. Like I, I had no idea it was gonna rain. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you, yeah, what, you don't look at you. You don't watch the news, <sighs> Sean. You don't look at your app. Hanging on by a thread half the time, just trying to, just trying to get <laughs> just by. Get, just, just, just get. Trying to get we're all by. day to day. We are all day to day. Yeah, just trying. Anyway, to, if you uh, haven't seen it, there's a big freaking purple light that that comes up over the city from Golden One Center anytime the Kings win whether it's on the road or at home. So uh, get That's used to seeing thing? a big a big purple beam, man. It's kind of it looks like a looks like Samuel Jackson's lightsaber, only uh, huge. I saw I saw a picture of it and and people were wondering if we were going to do an entire segment on it here on uh the oh, really? podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah. We can people do that. Like, oh, what do you gosh, think? Do you like it? Like? I like it. I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I don't know why you can't uh add like a bat signal thing to it so it actually produces like a king's logo way up high in the air um but i mean like flashlights are powerful now i don't know what kind of like spotlight thing it is but yeah if you're gonna do that i that's where i would kind of go with it like make it into like a lion's head or something so 
So I used to love that at Channel Ten they used to have their uh, on their big tower outside the building. When the Kings would win, they would change that to purple because uh, it used to light up and do different colors. Oh, and, see, I didn't know and, that. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I've seen and, it red. I've seen it red. Yeah, well, and it it doesn't light up anymore. I don't know. I know the panels are falling off. I don't know what the hell's wrong with it, but I don't think they use it anymore. But yeah, there was a storm. We were literally uh, somebody had a video of the, of the of these panels that are up there, and one was just you know it was just a real windy day, um, and you see one just shoot off, and I'm like, oh, I hope that didn't hit anybody. Like that would have been wild, but yeah, That's I think they wild. got it fixed. But yeah, they don't turn it on anymore. So they they I would power it on. I think it's kind of cool. Okay. Well, no, I think it's cool. Like, that's the one thing that you got to bring the fans back. You got to get everybody involved. I, the fan, the crowds have been good. They haven't been great. Uh, we're looking like the noise level has been great, but we're still looking at around like 14,300, 14,800. You know, like I, there was a sellout on opening night. So I would suggest fans get out to the game because this team is going to be fun. And I think that there is going to come a point this season where it's going to be a hard ticket to come by because I think this team is going to make a run and at least like make people excited. Um, but I also like that they're doing other things like the giant beam of light that to me, that's cool. Uh, yeah. Like the technology is cheap and easy and it's there. And like, even if you got to spend some money, I mean, it's still, you should be able to do something cool. I thought those first two games were fantastic. The, 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 I thought the, the Memphis game was great. Those there's a lot of three o'clock games this year. And I, those early afternoon games might be a little bit, um, lightly attended i don't know like maybe a little bit more lightly be. those attended. are kids games those are games i that you agree can bring your kids yeah. to man those are well like, football a- season on yeah i mean i know that was a saturday so it's not you know people aren't like gushing to go see college football in this town but although sac state man playing pretty well sac state they're, playing they're pretty doing, well yeah yeah all right yeah do, do you allow day, yourself like- do you allow yourself to be like hey good job sac state is your like aggies or your, your that's your no okay i'm okay like i don't watch or anything but like i'm okay saying all right that's cool uh you know and and at the same time you know like my uc davis aggies just got a player in the nba for the first time chimoneki that's awesome i mean he has gone back and forth between the stockton kings and the sacramento kings about 47 times at this point um but he's uh he's enjoying that and like he's bought into the fun of it i asked him about it i'm like is that a like i mean you understand it's becoming like a like a meme thing. He's like, Oh no, it's fine. Like I'm cool. Like he's like, it's fun. And I'm like, yeah. Oh. So yeah, he's a good dude. I, I, I can't wait for him to have a breakout game and for people to get behind him. I think he's going to be a, a fun player. And I think he's going to be really good for Stockton. Um, yeah, for sure. Right. And I think, yeah, I agree. I liked, I can't wait to see him do his thing. Okay. So I, I think we're done with final thoughts. Uh, if you're still watching, give us a thumbs up if you can. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the King's Beat. Uh, the King's Beat newsletter premium subscription gets you an invite to the virtual happy hours, which are the bomb. It also gets you free access to all of the uh, the writing that I do at the King's Beat, um, and it helps support things like the podcast. Um, no Brendan Nunez today. Uh, if you missed out at the beginning of the show, Brendan Nunez will be back later this week. Uh, we should have a break in the schedule here where we're able to do uh, two podcasts without any questions this week. Um, Brendan is currently moving, and so good luck to Brendan moving in the rain, which is crappy. That's like yeah, they say paper. That's well planned. Yeah. So next time we see him, we're gonna are we gonna see him from a new location? He'll be like set up in his new palatial estate. Oh, see, that's a good question. We probably will see him from a new location. Um, Yeah, we will see him from a new location. So. 
I, I'm uh, hoping awesome. that uh, he he moves near me because we're gonna show him a few things around this town. Uh oh. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, he didn't move uh, like I know where he moved to. Like he didn't move mm-hmm. super close to you, um, okay. but he's he's not that far away. He's actually way closer to the to downtown. So like the Uber Very ride good. just got way cheaper. Uh, Beautiful. So that's a good thing. Yeah. So all right. Well, that's <laughs> going to do it for the 100th episode of oh. the Kingsbeat Podcast. The 100th episode. Thank you so much for sticking around with us. Uh, we're having a great time doing this. We're going to keep doing it. And, uh, you know, if you have any questions or comments, make sure to put them in uh, wherever you're watching the podcast. And uh, we'll make sure to listen. Uh, Probably won't answer all of these things that some people want, which is crazy. Um, But uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, So for Fox 40's Sean Cunningham, I am James Hamby, Kings Inside for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. See you on Thursday. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.